Fox's X-Men-based TV show, The Gifted, finished up its first season in January. So we're going to talk about that first season in this episode of Legends of Podcasting. Now, joining me in the Wave Rider, as usual, are... Stuart, Rob, and Ross. And I'm Liam. And remember, if you like this show, you can find us anywhere where podcasts live. Subscribe to us, look for us. And uh, also, we're across social media. Just look for Legends of Podcasting. So uh, let's start the show. During the 21st century, comic books conquered the world and murdered everyone's spare time. I have assembled an elite team to hunt comic book stuff down throughout media and to cover their rise to power. Unfortunately, my plan is opposed by general life obligations, meaning instead of daily, we can do this weekly, thanks to something we have sworn our allegiance to, time management. In the future, we ourselves may not be heroes, but if we succeed, we will be remembered as the Legends of Podcasting. Reed and Caitlin are two normal suburban parents whose lives get thrown into chaos when they discover that their children possess mutant powers in The Gifted. Teens Lauren and Andy are involved in an incident at their high school which reveals their mutant powers to the world, forcing their parents to flee their old lives in order to protect their children. The Strucker family goes on the run from the government agency, The Sentinel Services, which includes Agent Jace Turner, who is determined to protect the rest of the population from mutants. And things are made even more complicated by the fact that Reed is a prosecutor in the district attorney's office tasked with going after mutants, which is why his children hid their, fa- their powers from him for as long as possible. But, for the family, but with the family on the run, their only hope comes in the form of an underground network that helps mutants in trouble. And it's full of mutants dealing with their own issues. So uh, that was the synopsis that went with the first season of uh, of The Gifted, which is Fox's um, latest uh, attempt at doing a TV series based around the X-Men franchise, but without featuring the X-Men. So Rob, why don't you tell me, you finished this show uh, just the other day as well, just like myself. I was a little bit behind of it this time. Um, what did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, there's so much um, TV out this <laughs> these last couple of months. I've only just got on board with the gifted, thanks to Ross's and Stu's recommendations. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. Uh, it's it's really well done, uh, really grounded, looking to the X Men universe without actually including the X Men. And obviously, I mean, I don't think you really need to with going to who the mutants and X Men are. Obviously, there's such a large cultural zeitgeist around them with the films and the comics, everything else like that. But it's just good to see this kind of mutant thing being taken in a different direction. Um, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I thought it worked It worked very well. They did a really good job at making a, a mutant-focused uh, TV show without needing the X-Men. I mean, that, this show doesn't need the X-Men at all. And um, whilst at the same time, it's also like it's... It's almost like telling an origin story of the uh, the X Men and the uh, the Brotherhood because you've got a team of mutants that gets together and ultimately they end up splitting and are forming kind of like two teams one that's good one that's bad and then we find out that this this the mutant underground was put together by the actual X Men which then kind of lines them up as being the good guys and uh, the other team as we find out as it goes through the season. So uh, point this out, I didn't say this at the top of the show. Spoilers, um, but the show has been out for a while, so you should expect spoilers. Um, one of the characters, Polaris, it's who has magnet, magnet powers, 
you know, uh, if you go by the comics, and as is uh, suggested within this within this show as well, it is suggested that her father may be Magneto. So uh, she's now has the kind of attitude that um, towards humans that the Brotherhood typically has. So she's now split off at the end of this first season to join and form this. Basically, the Brotherhood, so a team of evil mutants, and uh, and then you've got the good team of mutants. So, uh, Ross, why don't you tell me what you thought? Oh, yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, I was telling everybody, make sure you catch up on this show. It's my favourite show since we started watching them in sort of Septem- from September this, this season. And, um, I mean, I'm a big fan of the X-Men. It's probably, apart from maybe Spider-Man, it's my favourite thing that Marvel have ever produced. Um yeah, I loved I loved it from start to finish. I think it really benefited for being a short thirteen episodes because there was no filler. It just continued nicely on and it, it progressed in a nice steady pace. Um also I thought the special effects were really well done. Like sometimes when you watch like the CW shows, there's a little bit of CGI that you can kind of tell there's CGI. But this I thought it, it all worked really well. Especially if you know, like virtually every character in the show has a power. There's only like a few that don't, so I really enjoyed that aspect as well. Where, you know, oh yeah, it's, um, it's where, they, where they they explore the powers as well in quite a nice way. And you've got um, uh, Polaris and I forget the character's name. Eclipse. Light powers. Eclipse. <clears throat> when yeah, obviously you've got a guy that a guy that controls light and a girl that controls magnetism, and when they hold hands, they create an aurora borealis. Yeah, <laughs> it was like really. Good, yeah, though. that was a nice touch. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Yeah, it was clever. clever. Yeah. Using CGI in that way rather than having it on all the big explosions and things was quite a nice little yeah. touch to explore that world, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, they did a good job at, you know, having the powers in there, but limiting, you know, as with all of the superhero shows, they, they limit, because it, that's where the money's going to be spent in all the special effects shots, they have to limit how they use it. They did a really good job at choosing where they spent that money, where yeah. they decided to actually use the powers. And I think it came out, it did come out pretty good, and it looked... It looked pretty cool. Yeah. Um, like production value for the show was good, although I would say that um, you know it looked like a more like a TV series that was done well, as opposed to uh, Fox's other X-Men based show, Legion, which is on FX, uh, which looks like it's got a bigger budget. You know, that one looks very cinematic. Um, it's this. It's a lot smaller cast in that one, isn't it? There's only eight eight episodes. It's yeah. There's it's only eight episodes. So on this first season, there was only eight episodes, um, and maybe we'll do an episode on that at another point. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's that that show had a clearly a much bigger bu- um, budget and production value, and so it felt more cinematic. But even with uh, gifted feeling more like a like a TV show. I, I agree that the use of effects was was done very well. They did a really good job with it. Well, you take um, yeah. Thunderbirds, for instance, where you know all he did, all he's doing is really tracking and hearing people. Um, and he, I mean, if you forget that one scene where he's like bulletproof and he just goes for a wall like a, like a juggernaut, it's awesome. But um, like all, all that is, is, it's just like um, it's just a camera work of them just following where they go. It's just and it's kind yeah. of in like a. So, so oh, it's almost black and white, isn't it? Where it's just really well done to use his powers. It's yeah, just it's quite a simple. Did yeah. just put a filter over the video. Yeah. Simple effect, and, and it worked really, really well. well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you say I, I quite like the. Um, I think the, one, the effects that they use the most are obviously like Lauren's sort of bubble shields, are quite well well done. And also when they hold hands and they just become ultimately destructive. That yeah. was a very cool effect as and well. Like, and Blink simple. making a teleports where she's oh, yeah, looks like she's really struggling to open them. That, that Blink, was really yeah, Blink is really cool. I say I, I, I quite like this show because like like all X X Men shows, I quite like the premise of it because it's not like every other superhero show that's out. It's I've got powers, I'm going to be a hero and save the world. The X Men stories and comics that I've always loved and grown up with is it's very much is they are mutants and they're like they're just trying to survive, well, aren't they? Yeah, they're, yeah, exactly. They don't, they don't want to be heroes. They don't want to help. They just and they, especially with this, with this incident that happens, that obviously lots of people die, and that's why the Sentinel Services is trying to round them all up. Is that they're just trying to survive? All these people with powers, and they end up helping people here and there, but it's mostly for themselves in this show. And I and think I thought... that's a very clever, clever, clever twist on having powers where every other show is I've got powers so I'm going to be a hero and save kind of people see it personified a lot in the, the characters of the Strucker children uh, Lauren and Andy throughout the course of that season is that they, they, they're coming into their powers at the start of it and having to figure out what to do with them and how to use them and whether they should use them for good or, and especially when they find out that come obviously something we can talk about in a bit the um, combining their powers together creates this really destructive force yes um, and they start and to do it they, and things like that. Yeah, and they, they get an immense rush from doing it, but they don't want to use it because it's... I mean, that's one of the things that I, I quite liked, was there's a scene... The first time they do it, they're overwhelmed with the power, and they get this really surge of, we should do it again, because it feels awesome when we use this power. And then the second time they're going to use it is in the substation, when they're trying to break in and rescue some mutants. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, and it's the only they, way they, they can get out. The only, the only way they can get out is blow it all up. And the one that you think is going down the dark path, Andy, he's the one that breaks away and goes, no, I can't kill anyone, whereas Lauren seems like she wants to do it. And it's just tr them struggling with coming overcoming those kind of things is really, really well played. Yeah. <clears throat> I, quite like, I quite like the um, Agent Turner as well. As, as well, He was sort of the beginning bad guy, and then obviously you had the other guy come into it. But I quite liked his story as well, because you actually have feel sympathy for him, especially afterwards where... Um, uh, what was her name? The woman with the who could sort of go in and the dream, dreamer, whatever, uh, yeah. her. her. Yeah, but she goes in and she's halfway through like screwing him around, and then leaves him and, and he forgets his daughter's dead. I was like, Jesus! But that is being a dad myself. I mean, God forbid I haven't have to go through it once, but then having to go through it mm. twice is just. I felt so sorry for the guy. Yeah, and I, and sort, I sort, thought sort, his sort wife's his powerful message as well when she's like, what are you doing in our daughter's name? Yeah, the end. That, yeah. that was yeah. really yeah, they, strong. He actually goes, yeah, he goes at the end. He actually goes and goes, right, I'm taking all these meetings with me and actually becomes a good guy. And then that turns out to be like the biggest mistake ever because the Frost twin comes along and kills well, them. Makes them all kill themselves. I was like, jeez. It's crazy. I mean, there was some shocking moments in this series, especially like one where... um. I can't remember what the doctor's name is now. Who heads up the institute? The institute. Um, it was months since I watched it. But the guy who heads up the institute is trying to get them to, um, Andy and Lauren to use their powers, and he's threatening to kill oh, Campbell. Dreamer. Mm. Campbell, yeah, threatening to kill Dreamer. I don't think he's actually going to do it. He just shoots her, and she did. I was like, "What the hell? I did not expect her to die at that, yeah. that, that moment." I was, I was in shock. I've never liked just, Trask just... Industries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Never trust trust, but but again, you see it from his point of view. You see like a flashback of his brother being ill, and it's about mutation and disease and stuff. And he sees the mutant gene as a disease. He doesn't even see it as evolution. So he's at, they've all got their own. I quite like it when bad guys actually have. They think they're doing the good thing. They don't see themselves as a bad guy. And I always yeah, enjoy that more. 
It is interesting. They've done a really good job at giving everyone in every character in it has got an interesting, different story. And, you know, there is very clear and understandable motivations for every character. And in that respect, they've done a really good job at making it so that this show is relatable to as wide a uh, group of people as possible. Because you've got you've got different ages, you've got different ethnicities, you've got different um, kind of uh, society like setups and backgrounds and stuff in it. You've got a couple of kids for younger audiences you're going to be able to relate to, either the boy or the girl. They did a good job of, they've got a boy and a girl in there. Or if you're a parent, then you could appeal to the parents. If you're a, um, a parent that's lost a child, where well, you've, you've got that there. If you're a couple that's in a, uh, been in a relationship for a while, where well, you've got Polaris and um, the Clips. guy, I'll Clips. his name, Clips. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got people coming into new relationships, which is where like Thunderbird and uh, Blink end up. Um, you know, coming into a, a new relationship by the end. Um, like they've done a really good job in that respect of try of making this show um, as broadly relatable and appealing as possible, um, and giving everyone sympathetic backgrounds. One of the you know, things so. I, I really liked about it after, on, on reflection is the uh, the idea that's always been brought up in the in the films they've really explored is um, how powerful psychic mutants can be. Um, you have the mm. the appearance of the um, of, of the frost characters, the the triplets halfway through the series, and you start to see, and obviously with Beautiful Dreamer uh, at the start of it, when she tricks Blink into thinking that she's got a relationship with Thunderbird, um, and then. They don't like most other shows would do drag that out for years. They tend they just fix that straight away. But then she's obviously dealing with that, and then she comes to terms with that she actually likes him by the end of the series. And then later on down the line, you're not really sure when Polaris starts to go down a dark path towards the Hellfire Club at the end of the season and brings the plane down at the end of the last episode. Whether she was being manipulated mentally or she was just going through it with emotions on her own, it's kind of a very understated, well played sort of acted role in that. Um, yeah. It was good, and it's it's interesting as well that you you brought up the connection with uh, regards to the movies because this is a show that is supposedly um, connected in with the actual movie universe somehow. Yet at the same time, in this timeline, the X Men have uh, have disappeared. So you know when we've seen from the movie universe from days of future past that the x-men still existed in the future when there were big sentinels a big sentinel robots going around in this show sentinel robots haven't become big giant sentinel sentinels at the moment well, they're a, just there spider was a, things there was a line in yeah, one of the episodes and i remember this briefly because i saw it the other day literally the other day where they're talking about how the sentinel program's gone from uh, the old days of the, the larger robots i think they mentioned something like that yeah they? they do yeah so it's like yeah, so it's like they they've evolved. They used them to take out the X Men and the Brotherhood, and they've now evolved them into those smaller drones. Like um, oh, hang on, there is one film in the X Men canon where the X Men have disappeared. Uh, Logan. Yeah. Okay, that's true. They're all dead. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's but that's because of Charles and because of the Sentinels. <laughs> that's him. No, I, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember now. I don't remember, but they never actually answer the question of what happens to them, do they? They don't, they don't even really answer the question of what happens on that big day where that protest happened. Other than no, there's a, lots there's of a lot people of stuff died. on on Wikipedia and in and around the showrunner saying that um, 
the X-Men were involved in that incident, whether they're trying to stop something from happening, whether it's Brotherhood versus X-Men Battle of Control, we don't know. But from what I can see, it looks like it's going to start answering those questions in Season 2, so fingers crossed. Yeah, so I'm really I'm looking, forward to, looking forward to seeing where they go with it. I'm kind of hope, in some ways I want them to bring in more, actually more sort of mainstream X-Men, but at the same time I think the show is quite unique of the way they don't, they've brought in all these other characters instead. So yeah. I don't think it, it really needs any of the X-Men in it. Um, personally, I think that it's like the cast they've got at the moment. They've done a good job, like with this with this cast, and uh, you know, we having some references um, to the X Men at points uh, would make sense. You know, maybe they would find uh, Xavier's uh, home for the gifted. Um, you know, maybe they find that abandoned at a point or yeah. something. Uh, you know, stuff like that. I think would be fine. Um, but so maybe yeah. some cam- cameos or like a one-off episode with a couple here. I mean, I'm not talking like. I'm not talking Do you like think Cy- it would need it? I don't. I don't know. It'd be, I mean, it'd be cool to see. I don't. I don't. I'm not saying like we need Wolverine and Cyclops in, but maybe some like more B B list. Well, look at it. Look at it this way. X-Men. I mean, Agent, Agents of Shield picked up in the last couple of seasons um, as a result of just having things like Ghost Rider show up. And yeah, Ghost Rider is not an A list, but just having things like actual connections to that universe in the show really helped pick up what was. Starting to flail. Not well, saying yeah, that yeah. it's is flailing, but you know, just a couple of cameos or shots here and there. And so Ghost Rider a... is a very recognisable name, and that was enough to bring me back to Shield uh, for a yeah, little bit yeah. before I then realised that the show's still not any good, so I stopped. I've seen characters like maybe Iceman or like Havoc or Banshee or. Yeah, Cable, not... Cable and Deadpool, hey. bring them in. <laughs> oh, yeah, they can bring them into the movie. From the movie, that'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds showing up as Deadpool. Uh, <laughs> hilarious. That's that I would watch. Maybe, um, maybe Bishop. You know, Domino. the next he comes yeah. back. I mean, well, they already, they, they, oh, Bishop would be they good. already made a, a reference to Wolverine in it, so we know he's about somewhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because I'm quite. What's that reference? Oh, they, when they were they, they dragged the Strucker children into the lab in Trask Industries, and they're like, "Oh, you can't break this wall. You don't yeah. worry about oh. your powers in here because the, the room's made of adamantium. We found it in this abandoned research facility in Canada." Like, yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's got claw marks. Where's the claw marks? I was looking for him. I was like, "Come on, some claw marks there somewhere." Nothing. He basically said that looking at the camera, like, "We found this of adamantium in a abandoned research lab in Canada." Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, kind of obvious. I was quite. I mean, I was quite. I, his character, the Campbell, the Doctor, was quite a, an interesting character. I thought because. I kind of when they went into when uh, struck at Reed, the struck dad went to see his dad to talk to him, and you find out that Reed was actually a mutant, and he suppressed his powers. Like the dad suppressed his powers. I thought that was I did not see that coming at all. And then the fact that the, this Campbell guy's taken that research and just flipped it and got a serum now that enhances powers, it sort of brainwashes them. I thought that was a really clever. Sort of twist because I, I, again, the good thing, good thing about this show is it kept, it kept, kept sort of moving left and right. We did not know where it was going to go. I was kind of disappointed in the last episode when she took down that plane. I kind of thought she should have taken it down and then gone in, into the plane and killed them because that guy killed Dreamer, who's like her best friend. I keep kind of want the sort of arc to finish with her go actually going on the plane and going like you killed my friend and then kill him. But you know. Fair enough. Just blowing a plane. That was pretty cool. Bloodthirsty. I know. Only more. Only more. Damn Netflix shows make it more graphic. And I have to say, I was, I, 
I don't know if I was underwhelmed at the, in, in the last episode because I read, stupidly read somewhere, that it was meant to be some big cameo from someone. And I was like, oh, God, he's going to be. I'm like looking out for it for the whole episode. And then I didn't notice it. And I was like, I was kind of disappointed. And I was like, ah. Oh. But I was, that made me the last episode disappointing, which was a bit st- stupid. Because I was like, it shouldn't be disappointing. It shouldn't be disappointing just because there's no cameo of a person. But those two bits, I kind of was like, it would be nice to have heard to actually gone in, onto the plane and killed him. But the ending when they split up, and even the kids have split up now and got on opposite teams, was quite cool. You well, you, kn- you had a feeling oh. that that was going to go that way at a point, that they yeah. would end up splitting up, specifically because their big, powerful power is combined together, and you had the different attitudes, and the boy always had a chip on his shoulder like the whole time, and it was very much set up that the girl was good and the boy was going to be bad, um, which I was a little bit disappointed that it did end up going that way, and I thought, oh, maybe we're... Sp- spin it a bit here and then maybe the girl who has been shown as good throughout the whole thing, maybe she will actually join the bad team. Um, but no, 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 they well, stuck predictable. Where I thought they were going when they started using their powers in the substation about halfway through the season when she was the one that was getting him to use it and he broke away at the last second saying, no, I can't kill these people. So I thought they were going to twist it then but no, like you say, they kind of went down the route of he's kind of just a, a bit of a Horrible person, really, isn't he? <laughs> well, he, he embra- embraced the von Strucker like family name, hasn't he? So, yeah. Did, did you did you notice the massive Easter egg of where that little place was? They were at the end. Did you see the name on no. the? It was like Jack Kirby mechanics or something like that. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I was ah, oh, nice Easter egg. <laughs> so now going back to the dad, um, like so he is a mutant. Uh, was a mutant at least, and we know that his dad um, developed a serum to suppress his mutant powers. Um, but we also learned that well, that serum ultimately didn't work because his kids ended up having mutant powers. So because that serum didn't work, what do you guys think about whether or not the dad will, at a point, actually start to develop mutant powers? I, I thought we were going to see it in the season finale. I have to say, I thought there was going to be some traumatic thing. I mean. I kind of thought it was going to happen when they went to the other sort of hide hideout where they were on the run going to go to Mexico, and then they they started being attacked. And I think Andy got knocked out, and he was like looking up, and he was like holding him. I kind of thought that traumatic experience was going to release his mutant power, and we're going to find I, out what it I was. I thought it was when his dad died was going to do it. His dad got killed in the antique store. Yeah, I thought that because it's normally a traumatic thing, isn't it? That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said like, it, so that's when I. The dad, the dad said, didn't he? He's like, because he, because the the um, I don't know what the guy was now, but the mutant that was suppressing powers was outside, and that means it, pulse. It, 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 yeah, yeah, pulse. Yeah, so it meant the granddad shouldn't be able to use his powers, and he goes, oh, I told you we're different," and he actually used them, and I was like, "Jesus!" So like, what? How powerful are they? Yeah. Well, I think it's because um, I think they explained, didn't they? Say the dad was the only child of the original Von Struckers, so he may have inherited that whole full power, whereas over two, over two people it's split. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, interesting I, I, point, I which talking, that would suggest then that the dad has the full power. Exactly. I was, yeah. I was kind of confused, because I thought, um, I was saying this to Russ when we were talking about it before, because it was obviously like, oh yeah, um, I kind of, sort of for some reason, thought the brother and sister, like the, the uh, old Von Struckers, had like incestually made the, the granddad. Because I was like, if he's that powerful, it must have been both of them, did it, right? It couldn't just be one of them. And then, but I totally apparently it wasn't. I totally missed it. I missed that conversation during the series. <laughs> I thought it was just those two by themselves. So they must have just, you know, been a bit weird and gone incestual on it. 
Huh. Weird. That means be, that means <laughs> you, you would have been super powerful. You got your like yeah. the tree of pure bloodline. So I think if it's got to be like a traumatic experience that's going to trigger the dad to um to have his mutant powers, I think it makes sense that his dad dying would not be the traumatic thing because he's never been close to his dad. He's pretty much hated his dad his whole life. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, so he's not going to have that close bond. But his mum, on the other hand, mm. like would have pretty much yeah. raised him single-handedly. If she then dies in season two, I could see that being a significant. Or maybe his uh, maybe his wife. Or maybe maybe when the kids, because now they're on, you know, one's on the good side, one's on the bad. They fight, and one really gets injured. And he like blames himself for them splitting up. What happens if what was if they're fighting and Andy's obviously on the bad team now? He accidentally kills his mum by doing something. Or and maybe turning, maybe the kids maybe the kids are fighting and maybe uh, Andy really hurts his sister and in doing that that triggers the dad's powers yeah. and then that triggers him to respond uh, unintentionally and direct his powers at Andy, which would then make things worse. The rift yeah. between the pair of them, and yeah, would turn Andy into more of a, now to be more of a supervillain, um, because now his dad's attacked him, even though it would have been unintentionally, and then that would lead the dad like that adds to his storyline as it's very sympathetic as well. Like, oh crap, uh, look he, what he did. Because he he could also be a little bit conflicted, because you know, like, oh, what should I do? But then when that happens, yeah. he just instantly thinks his dad doesn't like him anymore, hates him, attacks him. And that's what drives him down the dark path fully. Yeah. Yeah. I could see Andy going, um, being... Andy being the main villain. In like yeah, I could see him being the main villain, yeah. yeah. That yeah. ultimately, for, um, like he could end up leading the... Uh, whatever they're going to call themselves. Uh, if you want to think Polaris, clubs, Polaris like, will go back to the good, the good guys kind of thing when she has the kid. Um, they have to make a big point of saying that the kid has is enhanced her powers, hasn't it? So yes. when she gives birth, she's obviously going to have a power drop, um, which will be interesting to see how that work plays out with her sort yeah. of character. The thing is, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know Flores well well in the comic books. Obviously, I've read a couple of where she's in it, but I don't know if she's ever had a kid. So um, she always she's always quite young in the comics. When I when I've read them, she's sort of like late teens. Hmm. But I think that's the thing that they're trying to do with this um, with this show is that you know they're trying to cover a territory that hasn't necessarily been covered so it's they've taken characters and aged them a little bit um, and given them a little bit more free reign similar to the approach that sci-fi is doing with Krypton they're taking a well-known property but setting the story in an area where the comics didn't cover um, so, you know so kind of a similar thing I guess uh, with this and this is also similar to Legion in a in a sense, isn't it? Like that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I haven't finished Legion yet. I'm only on episode four. Yeah, I thought I, I'm on episode four as well. Yeah, oh, right. so uh, desperately need like, to catch uh, up on that before. Yeah. Uh, I I've, I've, I've got to start watching Legion entirely. But it seems like with with Legion gifted and we've got new mutants coming out later this year or next year. When's that due out? I think sometime this year. Yeah, definitely. that's the movie, right? Yeah. 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 They seem to be going in a different direction with the X-Men series rather than focusing on the main characters and doing different things with the universe, which I quite enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a smart thing, I think, for them to do. You know, They're building upon the property, expanding upon it, and by, by expanding on the area that they're focusing on and not just sticking on the main characters, it gives them a lot more freedom 
Um, unlike if they're going to stick with the main characters and you're still going to get the fans that respond and go like, oh, Cyclops still doesn't have the right costume, you know, and yeah. why isn't Wolverine in yellow and, uh, and shorter? Um, you know, you're never going to please everyone with the, uh, the main characters, although they did a great job with Logan. Um, that was a cool movie. But, uh, favorite, favorite movie. Favorite this is your favorite X Men or oh, favorite, favorite superhero all I, around? I, I think I think so. Yeah, I think it was just so well done. Man, she's that, shocking because I'm a big DC big DC fan. I think that is. I don't think you can get yeah, the single tear rolling down the cheek at that ending when when she turns the cross sideways. No, um, I, I, I cry at least three times at that film, and I, every, every time I've watched it, I cry in the same three places. <laughs> yeah, I, the ending of that was very shocking. Um, so sticking with the, um, you know, as we wrap things up on this episode, so the last thing, like X-Men, like movie-wise then, and let's say movies and TV shows, like what is your favorite um, of the X-Men, uh, not including animated? Um, yeah, but, damn, uh, it's obviously going to be the 90s cartoon, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, everyone's going to say 90s cartoon if we include cartoons. So, uh, you know, what's your favorite X-Men uh, pr- uh, movie or TV show? Oh, man. Let's go around the room. Let's start with uh, Robert. I'll put me on the spot with any. Um, <laughs> barring, barring Logan, which was an exceptional movie, um, I quite, I still really enjoy and can watch any time X-Men 2. Okay, cool. X-Men 2 or X-United, wasn't that one? Whatever, whatever um, it's called. <laughs> yeah. That was a cool movie. What about you, Stuart? Um, well, I've seen it. Logan's definitely, definitely up there as, as just a standout film. I don't, even though it's just a superhero film, it's just a standard film in, together. Um, I've always loved X Men Two, but I think Days of Future Past, the Rogue Cut, is probably my favourite one they've done so far. Just because it brought the two different, um, the the original X Men movies and the, and the new ones together. Okay, that's cool. Um, go on then, uh, Ross. What are you thinking? Uh, well, I I'm tied between this, The Gifted, and First Class. I really enjoyed First Class. First Class was very cool. I wasn't. Uh, I had. I went into that with no expectations. Like mm-hmm. I just. I didn't. I managed to somehow avoid all spoilers and um, yeah. and was very pleasantly surprised with First Class. I think they did an excellent job at rebooting the X Men franchise without really rebooting it because it's somehow within the same continuity. Yeah. Yeah, I I was sort of the same same with Logan. I mean, I walked in with no expectations at, at all because, yeah, obviously Origins was a horrible movie. The Wolverine was pretty good, but not like the best film ever. So I was like, ah, oh, it's the last one. You know, I'll, I'll go and watch it for because I watched all the others and it just blew my mind. It's crazy. You know, what I actually didn't because X Men uh, X Men Origins Wolverine was so bad. I I haven't watched the Wolverine. I've just avoided it because. It, more than anything, it's just so burnt out on Wolverine as a character because all the movies, well, like so many of the movies have been about him. The first X-Men movie is about Wolverine joining the X-Men. The second X-Men movie is about finding out how he got his claws and looking back at it. And the the third one is, well, that was largely about... Um, well, it's him and Jean. Uh, Jean Grey. But, it, yeah, it's yeah. him and Jean. So, it's again, he's the main character. Then we had Origins Wolverine. Then we had The Wolverine. And it's like, gosh... Can we just? That's what was like really nice with First Class was like, oh, no. we've limited him to just a silly little cameo. 
uh, in a bar, and uh, which was an awesome caveat. They kept that really quiet. I didn't know yes. that was going to happen. Yeah, that was, and it was nice, you know. So they yeah. got that, and then it was out, and you're like, "This is good," because now we're actually focused on the X Men instead of on Wolverine. Yeah. And I get that he's like the most popular um, of the X Men. I no, think that no, for the not. standalone comics, isn't it? <laughs> Sales wise, for the comics, um, I think that the Wolverine comics, standalone comics, sell more than the other ones. Um, if I'm correct on that, I, 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 would, I would think so because it's been a few years since I read yeah. that, but. Um, but yeah, I I remember learning at a point that yeah he is sales wise. But is that is that after the, the movies came out? <clears throat> don't know. I don't Probably. Know. I, been, I mean, the movies have been coming out for so long now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember me and Liam going to watch the first one. Go like in yeah. 1990 something. 1999. Yeah, I remember. Just, it was just, it was just a guy walking out going, "Oh my god, that was amazing!" Yeah. The best film ever. <laughs> That's what started off the the whole comic book. Um, Movie thing. That's probably yeah, the Blade first did. Blade did. Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah. In 1998. It was like the X Men and then Spider Man, and then it sort of kicked in with the rest of them. Yeah, so then uh, wrapping things up here. So then for me, I'd say favourite um, X Men movie. Um, the Last Stand? <laughs> you know what? Last Stand was fun. It's not no, good. No. The, fir- the first five minutes is awesome. Movie. The first five it's minutes. Like, is there wicked. are so many really cheesy moments in that, which are Casting just Vinnie fun. Jones as the Juggernaut. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's cheesy. I mean, the fact that they put the Juggernaut movie. bitch in it from yeah, yeah. From the, the, yeah the Dove. Like, yeah, that that's good. the thing. I mean, that movie was fun, and you finally got Beast in it. Um, you know, so uh, so good, Last Stand. Yeah. Was a fun movie. It's not a oh, good movie. Um, so it's not a good movie, but it's fun. So, but I'd probably say that my favorite X Men movie is probably the first one. Um, you know, uh, just because I think, like you were saying, Stuart, that when we went and saw it, you came out like that was the first one that really ignited the newer generation of superhero movies. It was X Men um, was what had done that. So, uh, because before that, the last superhero movie you'd had was uh, Batman and Robin, which kind of killed the superhero genre. Yep. Um, but then we got it reignited again with uh, with X Men, and that's what led on to Spider Man and everything that we've had since. It showed that superhero movies can be done well. You know, they can be taken more seriously. Um, so, yeah, I would say. You know the costumes and that like may not be as true to the uh, the comics, but it was a cool movie, and I think it's more, uh, I guess, a nostalgia more than anything as to why I uh, I put that as my favorite. Cool. So, um, so that's it. Like season one of The Gifted is complete. If you haven't watched it yet, check it out. Like, um, you can buy it on uh, on iTunes. You can find it on Amazon. If you go look on. Uh, that was on Fox. Um, so if you're on the, uh, you can check out the Fox TV app, and you can find some episodes on there. Uh, check it at the right time; you'll see the whole season on there. I'm um, pretty sure as we get closer to season two, they'll stick the whole season back on there and give you a chance to fully catch up. But check it out and catch up before season two begins later on this year. So uh, if you enjoyed this episode, um, let us know. If you didn't like it, let us know. Find us uh, across social media. Send us a comment. Um, give us likes. 
get, tell us your thoughts and subscribe to us. The podcast is available wherever podcasts live. We're on Stitcher Radio, uh, iTunes Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, uh, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube. We have a cool video version of it on YouTube. And uh, yeah, and across social media, just look for Legends of Podcasting. So uh, that's it from me, and that's it from them. So until next time.